Hello there, and welcome to this possibly long-awaited by some bonus episode of the Game Sharks podcast. Uh, we're finally talking about Assassin's Creed Revelations. It's been, I think I played that game, what, in like November, December? Uh, and we've been trying to set this up for maybe two months? Yeah, geez. I, and when did we do the the Brotherhood one was like back in like... It was like August. The summer, almost, yeah. yeah. So it's it's been quite a while. Yeah, but we're uh, we're finally here. We're doing it. Uh, it's time. Uh, I am your host Andrew Vanas. Uh, joining me, as always, is Derek Wiseman. Hello. And a special guest for the first time on the Game Sharks podcast, number two fan ever, Steve Asetta. Hello, Royals. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing well. Doing great. They never, uh, they never saw it coming. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> uh, so, Steve, uh, I guess leading up to this, I had always known that you loved Assassin's Creed Revelations. At the very least, you quoted it to me a lot. Yes, I think I said in one of my emails that this game has my favorite video game line ever. Which the hook in the blade, in elegant design. Indeed. <laughs> It has two parts, in fact, a hook and a blade. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's let's jump right into it, man. Uh, Assassin's Creed Revelations, the final game in the Ezio trilogy. Um, the penultimate game in Desmond's story. Uh, and a lot of people's, uh, at least, maybe not least favorite, but it's it's near the bottom of most people's lists when it comes to Assassin's Creed games. Um, especially after uh, the love and revere that two and Brotherhood have. Yeah, it, it feels like uh, it could be just the low point of of the Ezio trilogy. But I wonder, in hindsight, uh, if if people would look more fondly upon it after. I mean, how many games we are in? I know I I definitely am starting to. Because uh, it's definitely, it's not a, I mean, it's not a flawed game as much as no. some other games in the series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Assassin's Creed 1 is a, is a whole other mess. Um, but I think there's just a little, there there are some uh, kind of rough patches of this game that, that tend to shy people away. And I, you know, I get it, but it's also, I think, uh, I think it's, you know, pretty good. You know, I like, don't think it's pro. It's probably just like the low point, as you guys said, in the Ezio series. I mean, it's still a very good game. Like, uh, it's when you're up that high and you just drop down a little bit. It's you know, when you when, you ha- when you're at the top, yeah, you've got a lot of places to fall. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> yeah, know, like they definitely. they kind of went big with with two and Brotherhood, and so it's almost like people just expected them to. It's almost like one of those scenarios where you have a good rhythm going, but it's like an in lieu of making the same game over and over, they'd like try new things and then people don't want the new things. They just want the same things again. And then when that doesn't happen, then people are upset. But, you know, sometimes change is necessary. The second game that came out when, uh, after Ubisoft started the yearly releases. So I think that was like, this was like the first indicator that like, oh, are they going to do this every year? 
Yeah, and then we all saw how that went. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't know it, how much you've looked into, Andrew, the development of this game, but I did like uh, a small small bit of research here and there, and one of the things I didn't know is this game started as a 3DS game. Did it really? Yeah. Wait, so... It, so... So this is what, like 2011? So the 3DS was was out in 2011? Oh my god. Right? Yeah, right? When did the 3DS come out? What, like 2009? There's no way the 3DS came out in 2009. 2010. It came okay. out in 2010. So they, they started development for this sometime around, I think, probably 2009, 2010, as it was supposed to be a 3DS game. That's um, insane. Yeah, and it, it was supposed to just be like this side journey for Ezio and it was only going to be I guess the um the part in uh Masai whatever it's called Masai uh, yeah the the Altair's like assassin headquarters it was only supposed to be like that area it was going to be like kind of a smaller scale game and I guess they just started getting into it and realized hey we could make a full-fledged game out of this and like have it be a sequel to Brotherhood and hmm. so that's what they did instead. <laughs> that's so that's so weird. I can't even right? imagine. I mean, at, at least like like if it was on the 3DS, it would have been like a side game. If like if this was a main entry of the series on the 3DS, then it would be probably even more hated than it already is. Right. Yeah. It was supposed to be something like uh, like Liberation. I think it was a PSP yeah, yeah, yeah. game or um, like yeah, one of the, one the of the uh, kind of secondary titles. Yeah. Man, but that's, they, yeah, that's pretty crazy. They ended up like making it a mainline game. Uh. Definitely glad they did make it a mainline game. Yeah, Steve. Uh, so, would you say that this is your favorite Assassin's Creed? I think I would say that. Yeah. I mean, it's been so long since I, you know, played this game fully through, which I think would have been would have been on release. But I, I just like the entire Ezio series. Like I'm. Very happy to rebuy it when I saw it on uh, Game Pass to you know for like twenty four bucks because uh, I, I love playing these games. I think they're all really similar and just all really good. Yeah, each one kind of has, even though they're they are similar, they all have a very satisfying just general gameplay loop. Um, and and this is obviously no different, except for maybe a few exceptions. <laughs> and I also think the story is engaging enough, you know, for the most part that you know the gameplay loop is you know it's assassin's creed you're doing the same a lot of the same stuff over and over again but to me i got engaged enough with the story that you know once you you know do a little bit of a grinding that you're like okay i'm i'm happy to play all these mainline quests and finish it up yeah for sure the the story is definitely kind of the highlight i think of the game at least for me like it, it really does tie a nice knot onto Ezio's story yeah uh, and yeah like and not only Ezio's story but also also Altair's story right it gives, yeah, addition, it gives additional context to Desmond it gives him some backstory which we hadn't previously gotten uh I, I really liked kind of the the trio narrative that they had going on in this mm-hmm. game where it's like you're simultaneously like developing Ezio's story which directly ties into like Altair's you know events because the Altair stuff picks up literally directly after the end of the first game so like he's like walking out of the fight with um 
Al-Mualim with the apple mm-hmm. and everyone is like, what just happened? And he's like, oh, well, I, you know, Al-Mualim, hey, he was pretty evil, so I killed him. Uh, and they're like, and, and it, you know, shows the aftermath of that, which it's, it's almost like it's because in my mind, I think of like Assassin's Creed one as like a proof of concept, but like the implications that Altair and its story have on the Assassin's Creed, like lore and just world as a whole is, is pretty Mm -hmm. like neat. Cause he keeps getting brought back up in the games in ways that don't expect because when people think of Assassin's Creed, like, you know, Ezio is the star of three games. So he's probably the first one, first protagonist that comes to mind for a lot of people. But Altair seems to have such a like larger presence within the universe. Yeah. And it's also nice that this game, I, if I remember correctly, has the least amount of Desmond in it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have the stuff with Animus Island, which, which is uh, is pretty. It's pretty okay. You know, like you meet Subject Sixteen, which hmm. is it's it's weird. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's kind of its own. <laughs> uh, so is it, it 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 almost like just felt like they tried to to find a way to shoehorn him in. But I also mm-hmm. do like what they did with it. Because it, the reason that he was on Animus Island is because, like, of the bleeding effect, right? And because yeah, in the first yeah. two games they were saying like, oh, if we use the bleeding effect too much, it's going to have serious consequences on your mind. And I like that we're actually seeing those consequences because a lot of times in like games and media in general, there'll be like, oh, well, there's, you know, consequences to this, but maybe later on in the story, in favor of pure hype we're going to ignore that you know i'll take i'll use nardo as an example in the beginning of nardo they're like well i only have enough you know chakra to use this jutsu two times per day and then you know 300 episodes later they're using it 17 times in a day and it's like well what happened you know you set up these rules and then you chose just not to follow them later but assassin's creed you know seemed to actually follow their own rules in this case which i like is is this the first game, did they, they talk about the bleeding effect in Brotherhood, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, wasn't it? It was. Wasn't it earlier? I wasn't because I felt like it was something that was like it was brought up here. So I it, thought it was, it was like brought up here and there, and then it was definitely in two. Yeah. yeah okay. Because it was at the end of Assassin's Creed One. I thought uh, Lucy explained it to him at some point in Assassin's Creed 2. Probably, okay, yeah. Probably also. Yeah, right, because you start doing, like, the parkour sections and stuff in 2, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just, like, it's a very cool... It's a cool concept that they, like, are... They touch on throughout the, like, Desmond series, and then just kind of forget about for a while, and then, like, randomly bring it back up um, in the latest trilogy, like, a yeah. couple times. Yeah, well... If I I have very limited knowledge about the narrative of of the new trilogy, but isn't you you play as the same out of animus character in all three games, right? Right. And yeah. So that's th- the only. I mean, so then it makes sense, right? Because if in the other games you're just kind of nameless, like dudes, right, who are just going into the animus to live out the fantasy for the sake of it being in that time period for that game. Whereas in like these yeah. two in these two examples, you're actually playing as the same character, so that's where it would be applicable. The the modern pieces of of uh, the the recent trilogy are very very minimal. So it's like 
mentioned in passing, and then there's like implications suddenly at the end of of the most recent that the bleeding effect is like really really important. Like all of a sudden they're like back in on it again. It's like wait a second. Like for eight games you just kind of ignored it, and now all of a sudden you're like wait, <laughs> actually this bleeding effect thing we were onto something you know six games ago, and and we're gonna we're gonna follow this kind of again. <laughs> Well, couldn't that be because everyone hated the Desmond effect, the, the Desmond character so much through the first what four games? I think so. The, I mean, that was because I mean, people didn't point. like Desmond. Like, yeah, I, and I just—it's the weakest. It's the weakest aspect of the game, but it's also sometimes the most interesting. Yeah, like I think in the first game, it's done pretty well, where you are unexplained, just at Abstergo and Desmond doesn't know why you're there neither do you so trying to figure that out is is like a really compelling part of that story um but then after it's just like in two and brotherhood you can literally be in the animus for nearly the entire game so at that point it becomes more of an afterthought right so so I, I like that they tried to tie it together more with revelations um but at that point, I feel like the damage had already been done, and everyone's like, "Oh well, we love Ezio, you know, so we want yeah, to play more yeah. as Ezio." <laughs> no one gives a shit about about Desmond and whatever the hell he has to do. See, that's why they they should have made a modern game where you did play as Desmond and like they give given him uh, people a reason to care about his character. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know about the uh, the original plan for Assassin's Creed, right? No. So was that was there, there was, a plan? Yeah. So there was a an interview at a at a convention years and years ago with uh, Nolan North, um, and they asked about like how Assassin's Creed was pitched to him, and it was mm-hmm. apparently the original pitch for Assassin's Creed is it was going to, it was going to have an ending, right? Like we weren't gonna like imagine Assassin's Creed three is the last game of the series, and that's it. It was right. gonna be it was gonna be final. Uh, it wasn't gonna be this like yearly release that we've seen now. Um, and the original idea is that Desmond is going to train uh, through the Animus with each of these master assassins, and then the final game in the series is a modern-day setting where you're playing as Desmond in the entire game as, like, a master assassin. And I think that would have been such a cool way to do that story, and maybe a better way to do the Assassin's Creed franchise. You know, like, as popular as it is nowadays, and as much as fans have enjoyed the series as a whole, I think it would have been way cooler as, like, a unique package. Oh, yeah, 100%. And... (laughs) Go ahead, Derek. I I just the like the the concept itself they they gave they definitely gave themselves room for for kind of the spin-offs with like I don't know I I really loved uh 4 because it while it had nothing to do with the like main story of of Desmond and everything and all that uh it was it was a great like spin-off in the sense that it was just like hey we kind of have this way to tell cool stories. So like, let's use it. And that's what it kind of felt like they were going for. And then now they're like shifting back into the, no, actually there is more story to this whole thing. And that that's where yeah. uh, it's kind of losing me. But, it's like, you know, it's we're like still. The, the two year gap that they've given themselves now, instead of the one year gap is I guess actually giving them the breathing room to focus more on the narrative whereas in the yearly releases they were like okay just you know get the gameplay working and then mm-hmm. and then put it out 
it was all right let's find a setting let's build a world and then like we'll worry about this other storyline later and yeah i don't know we could talk like we you've got a lot more games to play before uh, (laughs) oh yeah you can really really dive into that so (laughs) yeah let's actually you know focus let's hone in on on revelations itself the game that this episode is actually about um so, like we said, it does focus on Altair, uh, Ezio, and Desmond, all three. And I think that what it does with those characters is really cool. You know, Altair was kind of, uh, I think, wrapped in one. But it is cool to see kind of how the rest of his story plays out. Um, and then, but, but I think what this game does for Ezio's character is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, we've seen him be assass- like just, you know, a heartless assassin. Not heartless, per se, but just an assassin and just kind of do the assassin life forever. But like in this, he actually has more goals outside of, you know, being an assassin. He's like, he needs to search for the, for the, um, Masayaf keys to get into the vault for, for knowledge's sake. And then he finds Sophia, uh, and you know, Sophia ends up being more of a of a priority for him in his life and and you know his values at this point in his life because Ezio's old in this game, right? Like he's fifties, yeah. late forties, yeah, late forties, early fifties, I think at this point. Yeah. So I think Sophia acts as a... assassin. It's the what? The wear and tear. Wear and tear of an assassin. Yeah, yeah. This assassin. Yeah, yeah. like it. It's taken a toll on his his life at this point. Yeah, it's like he's he's lived you know 30 years as an assassin sure but like now you know what else is there like he took down most of the prominent templars Mm. in his area so now it's like he has he has other shit to find out and it's cool to see how much weight some of the events of the past games have had on him too because at the end of the game you know he has that message to desmond where he's like Mm -hmm. he's like i don't know who you are desmond but i know you're listening so you know you know take this knowledge with with what you will and he's and so that that part was really cool too like i you know even though these games are all incredibly similar it does still feel like they have some intent to how they were put together right right yeah uh it yeah i think that's what makes it so satisfying is is it like they show how Ezio has kind of grown the like you said like how after 20 years he still remembers that there's like this possible desmond guy watching over him is like kind of an interesting like i'm sure it was a like a trauma not traumatizing but like an impactful event you know right? when yeah, like world juno shattering sa- yeah when juno talks to desmond instead of him in in rome and like the fact that like he you know he, he's able to like put that together and say like okay yeah, like I'm back here at Masayaf and and you know learning the knowledge for Altair, but I don't. I'm not doing it for me anymore. I'm doing it for this person that I don't know who they are, but they clearly like are watching yeah. over me. Yeah, or clearly, watching me. clearly, like Ezio's actions are important to some larger you know circumstance. But Ezio himself isn't necessarily impacted by that, so it's cool to see how, like in his in his age and through his experience, he kind of learns that that's a little more important than maybe his own personal immediate gain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's not just doing this for him. There's there's another kind of that's a I don't know, it, that's a weird thing to kind of. Uh, 
think about in like context like how did they they know that de like uh, you know i don't know that's i guess that's weird like assassin's creed diving into the deep lore and and really trying to figure out the the isu i believe on yeah, the ancient the, people the last episode i call them the oso like several <laughs> times really? yeah and I haven't, I haven't listened to that part so i don't know like 20 minutes later i was like oh my god it's isu <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny but yeah even Dirk. <laughs> even outside of the of like the more you know celestial happenings of the assassin's creed universe even just setting foot into constantinople it's cool to see kind of how Ezio interacts with that world because he's no longer you know the kingpin you know he's not in rome right. anymore and it's i think constantinople was a really awesome setting and a great change of pace from you know the italian settings because not only is it a new city so we have different architecture you know the kind of the whole city's kind of on this big hill so there's a lot of verticality to the city you know, with the, the zip lines and the hook blade, obviously. Um, but also, you know, there is an established assassin culture in Constantinople. And it's it was awesome to see, like, how nuanced – or the differences were so nuanced compared to the Italian style of being an assassin – uh, and so Ezio was kind of able to come in and take a step back and kind of just be a bystander to their process and having mm -hmm. Yusuf kind of show him around uh, and act as he Yusuf is kind of the Ezio of Constantinople in a way where he's like the he's the head honcho. Right, right. So I thought that was really awesome. I, I loved uh, Constantinople. I think that the city itself was actually designed probably the best out of any of the areas in Assassin's Creed so far, just in terms of like the way that running through areas works and the way that everything kind of weaves together and the there's a whole bunch of twists and turns and and climbable stuff i thought it was really cool and plus the zip lines it's also nice that you had the sewers for you know you know the pretty much fast travel throughout the city yeah i the fast travel has been around since what two right but you don't unlock it for a while it's different because the that's true yeah because because two is different because you're going through multiple cities but in this yeah. this game and brotherhood you just stick in the one um but yeah i thought go for it i, would just, I think one of the coolest is that there's like the giant market area the grand in, bazaar yeah, the grand bazaar that that was a very cool uh kind of area i i Remember that that in the underground place. I think that that's like the later later game you go when you're chasing after um, whoever the Sultan. Oh yeah, yeah, in um son or something. What's the oh shit? What's the name of that city? I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah, Cap Cappadocia, Templar city or something like that. Cap Cappadocia. Yeah. Yep. And I thought that city was really cool too. You don't really do a lot there, but it's like it's neat. It's like this cave city. Yeah. Yeah. They they definitely nail. I mean, by this point in the series, they're they're nailing the design of of the cities and and like you're saying, like Constantinople is such a I don't know, like it's cool in comparison to to Rome and and Italy because we we've learned about like I don't know you know in school you learn about like uh, Rome and Italy in the the kind of the Renaissance era, but. Um, 
I don't know, you know, like you don't know much about like what's going on in in Constantinople and like the sultans and stuff, and it's 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 like a cool, it's new history to to kind of learn about. Yeah. And I I liked it. Like, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a really cool, interesting area, and it's it's fun. That that's a, yeah, a big and, draw of the games is like what historical setting are we going to be playing? Yeah, in and... and it brings a lot of flavor to the kind of not only the narrative and the game mechanics, but like some of the like in individual systems. Like you have uh, eventually like part of the way through the game, you it can craft bombs. And mm-hmm. while I never personally did it, I really appreciate it from a world building standpoint. Where it's like, yes, this is something that happens in this culture that hasn't happened in other games before. So it's nice to see them explore that. You know, yeah, where they couldn't before. The, the tools or technology they they kind of had or used that like like I don't like the hook, the hook blade. Like the whole thing is about the hook, bl- you know, or like yeah. the main gimmick is the hook blade, and it's like, oh well, yeah, because we have all these zip lines going everywhere. So we as assassins develop the hook blade because there's so much elevation to or yeah. to deal with or whatever. In, exactly, in and and, and while and that's that's cool. Yeah, and the hook blade might seem like a gimmick up front, but I think it really works. You know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it feels like, you know, if we want to get into the nitty gritty of the, like the mechanics, it does feel pretty cheap at some point where you can kind of just hold a button and get a free ledge grab. Uh, yeah. But like it does in, you know, another sense feel like an extension of Ezio and it feels natural to jump and hook and like extend your hook blade to latch onto like a lamp or something and then swing off the lamp for an extended, you know, jump. Uh, and it was just a really cool addition to free running. Right, right. It adds another dimension to to your movement around the city, and you're like, yeah, for climbing, it's like, oh, now when we designed our our you know our climbing system, like designed our our the city, we had to put some ledges a little higher, so you had a reason to use the hook blade. Like, okay, that like that's silly and <laughs> kind of useless, but yeah, like you're saying with the free running and like planning out your uh how you're going to move about in you know for assassinations and, and your missions and stuff like yeah it like matters like oh hey th- that zip line's there i can use the hook blade and drop down on this guy and like get him before you know, you know to kind of like clear the area a little better where before you might have to think like oh well like i don't have as many options to move quickly now i have this whole a whole new toolkit to kind of yeah. get used to and that's i like that's what i miss about the assassin's creed games of old mm. i guess yeah you know i don't i don't know how the series really progresses from here just yet but it's it was it, it's nice that it seemed that the the like i said kind of the constantinople style of assassins have their own culture and it was mm-hmm. already established mm-hmm. when you got there so Ezio, like you is a visitor to this world so it's like it's like when you get there, Yusuf is like, "Well, where's your hook blade?" Of course we have hook blades. Like, you know, what's wrong yeah, with you? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> How does I thought, hook blade was a, I thought the hook blade was a nice compensation for the fact that Etsy was old and you couldn't run as fast, you couldn't jump as high or jump as far. It made it made it feel natural. You're like, okay, I'm not as physically fit as all the guards and everyone in here, but I can zip line and I can grab ledges and it. It made it was a nice compensation. It made me still feel like I was, you know, uh, OP, I guess, you know, compared mm-hmm. to everyone else and all NPCs. 
Yeah. It also adds another dimension to combat, too, in a way, where like it gives you a couple other moves in what is otherwise uh, kind of a retreading of Assassin's Creed 1's combat with a counterfest. Because, um, <laughs> unfortunately, that is kind of how it worked in this game. Uh, in general, I kind of hated the combat um, because of that. You know, if you weren't stealthing around and assassinating people, assassinating, killing people... Um, then it, it's like it was it didn't really work because especially you know again i appreciate from a world building standpoint but there were kind of these you know gunman towers around uh and it's like if you were anywhere within the line of sight of those gunmen while fighting then like they would shoot you and the amount of like hit stun and stagger it does to you is so annoying mm. and there's like until you get I think bombs, or until you buy the crossbow, there's no way to, to handle them. You can't actually hit them while they're inside their towers. Yeah, and then the crossbow, like, trivializes the game. Oh my god, yeah. I actually don't <laughs> think I bought the crossbow for a while. Yeah, because it, it just, you can just kill people, like, from far away so easily and so, uh, yeah, with such ease that it's like, oh, I don't really have to worry about getting caught, because I can just crossbow that guy real quickly <laughs> yeah um but, but then like there were other times too where like i'd be in a group of people and i would be fighting them and but like the way that kind of the the enemy timer works is that like i would get hit and i would roll on the ground and nobody would follow up and they kind of then would wait for you to do something and so by the time that they would hit me again i wasn't like my health had recovered enough to a point you know, out of that kind of mm -hmm. interim state where them hitting me again wouldn't kill me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, it's it was just a very oddly designed kind of combat system, and it was it was definitely weird. Yeah. Oh, and that's I think yeah. Back back in those early games, they were like every game they kind of tweaked the combat system in like some weird ways to like try to find that sweet spot, and they. It, yeah, it would do like weird things like that. Like you're saying, like you can just like, the, like the enemies just didn't attack you for some reason. Like yeah. the the AI was waiting for you to like we're almost reactive instead of uh, aggressive. And um, I I want to say I I can't remember. It's like the combat is like animation based. Oh my god! But, yeah, like. I, yeah, like you, you don't, you you're not f hitting L one to swing. You're hitting L one and then, uh, or whatever the square, or whatever like whatever the attack button is, and then the game figures out what enemy you can do an animation to, and that does add up to those kind of weird situations. Yeah. Uh, but it also like was cool, and you know, it, like when you would get into those situations where like you were fighting and then you would just start like killing people instantly. Yeah. You like, know, the kill streaks are great. Fighting. Yeah. Like <clears throat> that make, it makes you feel like a master assassin. Like you, Oh, you set up this situation, you know, you attack this guy and this guy. And then all of a sudden, like you're creating openings to just like kill people left and right. Instead of like, okay, I've like, I've hit these guys a bunch of times, this guy a bunch of times, and he's dead. And now I got to turn to this guy and hit him a bunch of times. So he's like kind of RPG style. Like you have to fight each end of individually instead of this, where it was like, yeah, it like made it feel like kind of natural combat. 
Yeah. And uh, animation heavy, I think, is definitely the right terminology. Mm-hmm. And, like, because the kill streaks are great, but, like, a lot of the. Like they're they're pretty slow sometimes and like pretty glitchy too. So sometimes <laughs> yeah. sometimes you're not even like physically on the person. Uh, but every time you end an encounter, it does this like super slow motion finish finishing animation, um, which I like in concept, but it just breaks up the gameplay that little bit. That really kind of just puts a thorn in my side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just, I tried to avoid combat basically at all times uh, whenever possible, which is why I never like re- went and retook the towers, because um, the way that this game worked is you kind of have the it's like almost a territorial thing where yeah. the assassins in Constantinople were in the process of overtaking control from the Templars, and it's kind of this back and forth thing where where one party will control you know certain areas and the other one will control others, um, but. In the way, so then each, there's like nine dens or whatever, like each section of the map is segmented into, into like outlined zones. And once you overtake the tower in that zone, then it becomes under assassin's control. And only then can you access the shops in that, in that area. Um, so, so there were a lot of shops that I just did not visit because I was just like, I am not going to be bothered to go back to the den right now. And try and you know take it over because once you captured yeah. it, you know eventually throughout the game, Templars would attack your den, and that's where yeah, the that's where the tower defense mini game comes in. Uh... Is because in order to, in order to do you know defend your dens, you have to do the tower defense, which let's all be honest, the tower defense sucks. <laughs> that that might be the the clunkiest gaming mechanic I've ever had to deal with. Yeah, I thought parts of it were fine, you know, like if it was its own unique side mode, then great, you know, Uh, but the fact that they kind of shoehorned into a a pretty prominent like section or segment of this game uh, is pretty, it's pretty annoying, you know, (laughs) like I'm, I counted and the only, you're only actually required to do the tower defense one time in the whole game Mm -hmm. and that is the tutorial of it. After that, you don't have to do it at all. But, like I said, if you don't do it again, then you just won't have access to the shops in the areas that the Templars attack. Right, yeah. It limits you pretty pretty hard if you don't do it. Yeah, I mean, sure, you can... You know, the shops will upgrade with as the story progresses, but it's kind of the the same loop as two in brotherhood where, you know, the more you invest in shops and such, the more value the city will have. And therefore the more passive income you'll get, which will then allow you to buy more stuff, um, right. which can be pretty helpful sometimes because some of the stuff is pretty pricey, but you know, the trade-off with that for me was that there's actually not a lot of progression reward in this game. So like you don't have to hundred percent it to get the best rewards, you know, the 100% sync gets you some cheat codes, you know? So it's not it's not like I was, you know, bending over backwards to try and finish everything. Yeah, so once, once again, cool <laughs> yeah, once again, they seem to have uh, kind of goofed on the on the completion stuff. Um, the other thing that, the, like, there was, the, the other collectible was the, the Animus Fragments, but, and there's a hundred of those throughout the city, and even then, you only need to get 30 of them in order to get to reap all of their benefits. And so those directly tie into Desmond's journey. Um, which is, if you get, do you guys remember Desmond's journey? It's like the, 
the kind of walking simulator exposition fest that they did on Animus Island where you have the five portals or whatever. Yeah, that's where you get like more of the details on whatever happened with Subject 16 and like and that stuff. I I don't think you do get no, it's like all Desmond backstory, right? It, oh, it's all Desmond backstory. Yeah, because it was like that. So it's basically like this. Uh, it was that like okay. portal esque setting where it's like the very like white slash gray. Like it almost looks like you're in Aperture Labs. Uh, yeah, and you yeah. have the blocks. Like you have a you can just place blocks to walk on. Um, and oh then, wow, I completely you, forgot you have about a, that. Yeah, you have a jump part, and you can walk, and that's it. And it's like it's almost yeah. like a puzzle, you know, box, but not quite. Like there's some, there's mild puzzles, but it's not, it's nothing on the level of something like Portal. Um, but so doing that, like it, it, uh, you get different chapters of the Desmond's journey section at the more Animus fragments you collect but once you get 30 you unlock the last one and then once you do all of desmond's journey you get desmond's outfit so you can just play uh-huh. as desmond in the main game which is kind of cool i guess but also like yeah but if unless you're like explicitly looking for the fragments you probably won't get all of them until you're pretty close to being done with the end of the game anyway and after a certain point in the story Animus Island like collapses, so like you right, can't even yeah. access them in the first place after that. Which so like I was waiting until I like beat the main story or got close to it to do Desmond's journey, and so I hadn't done it by the time that happened, and I was like, no fucking way. I was like, can I seriously <laughs> not do this right now? Um, and then eventually it does give it back to you, but uh, it was just a pain. It was just like, well, jeez, like I just wanted to do it. And like by the end, it's like, okay, well I'm done with the game now, so I don't need Desmond's outfit. Uh, so it was just a, it was definitely a questionable design choice. Yeah, and I I feel like that this game too was like uh, one that came out at around a time where games just started at like achievements were added with the the 360 PS3 area. So like things were just added to be collectibles, mm-hmm. and then like sometimes they would be like kind of story stuff, and it would be locked by fi- like by finding all these stupid collectibles and people started to like complain and be like, what, this is like so dumb. Like, why do I have to get all the, you know, why do I have to collect a hundred animus fragments to relive Desmond's story so I can get, you know, you know, whatever it's like, okay. So exactly. They, yeah. They started like learning, like, okay, we'll put the story stuff behind 30 of them. And if you want to the outfit, you got to collect all a hundred and stuff like that. Yeah. It was just like, it's like the, primary gameplay loop of assassin's creed is always fun uh always like weirdly addicting in some cases uh but it's just at this point in the series and i don't even know if they've done it in modernity but the the like collection and kind of the peripherals of of the series just they always seem to botch it and that i think that's just a a uh, I think it's a Ubisoft thing, uh, or Ubisoft. Um, yeah, I don't know which one it is, to be honest. <laughs> like, it, there seems to be this uh, trend with their with their games, especially even now, like now that they have like several IPs that they kind of like their flagship IPs that they that are they're good games, but they st- they still do these like silly weird th- decisions and have these like weird like. 
all their games have towers to climb for some reason and it's like wh why i don't yeah. like it was cool in assassin's creed why did it have to be added to both far cry and watchdog like why did why do you know, yeah right it's, it's like do, it's they, kind of a, do they do leaps of faith in that game right yeah it, like, <laughs> yeah i don't know man maybe maybe they just like they took something that worked and then tried to implement it into other things i don't know man it's so weird to see how like the success of one franchise will make other not even you know in not even internally in certain studios but like even other game studios will take concepts you know like remember when PUBG took off that's when Fortnite you know added their battle royale mode right right yeah yeah it's it's definitely a trend in in the game industry for for people i mean i i i want to say a great example is is in Assassin's Creed 2 it might actually it might be brotherhood where you go into the uh like the crypts underground two yeah uh yeah two, and, well two is the first time when you get assass or altair's armor at the end yeah i i think it, i think that like uh uncharted had come out and so like there's all these like cinematic moments in it where like you're like running along and like you grab the ledge and the ledge breaks and oh you have to yeah grab yeah the ledge lower and stuff like that like uncharted came out and did was doing all those cool cinematic moments and all of a sudden like assassin's creed has trying to do these same like cinematic kind mm -hmm. of uh platforming sequences and it's like yeah when did, i mean uh, when did the first uncharted come out 2009 2008 yeah so if it, if it was 08 then that definitely would have been before two because two was 09 and then even no matter which one of those definitely before brotherhood and it, it like it shows how kind of each you know, this is the most cinematic game yeah. in the series, and it's clear kind of the direction that they've been taking it. You know, they have not only with the cinematic nature of it, but like even just like kind of the presentation itself uh, with kind of like the, the camera angles and the shots. Mm -hmm. uh, the, like they have such like a cinematic take on it, uh, which I think is really cool. Like it adds a, a nice way to present the story because you know assassin's creed one was very rough around the edges in that regard um uh but then uh and then of course this game came out in what 2011 20 yeah no, 2011 yeah, 20, yep. yeah 2011 so this is obviously the most like graphically impressive out of the four so far yeah um, well, you, you couldn't press a button to change the camera angle <laughs> i hated that, that was mechanic it was so dumb <laughs> I mean, I like the new camera angles, but why weren't they just the default camera angles? Anyway, if you want to read my, if you want to you know, listen to me rant about Assassin's Creed One, then you can just read my article, baby. Or listen to the the first uh, review. Well, there wasn't a first review, Steve. Remember, they were originally all supposed to be articles. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. So it's like, while this is definitely like it's it's kind of the way that it's iterated uh, at this point in the franchise definitely has some like its pros and cons you know it's it's mm -hmm. i like the direction of the series but also it kind of falls into the kind of corporate nature of things where it kind of um what's the word like like cookie cutter yeah yeah, yeah yes yeah uh so you know take it or leave it i guess <laughs> you know Which... you just kind of have it's one of those things where you kind of just have to accept it Mm -hmm. and it's it's an interesting thing because this is kind of the last game where things are kind of cookie cutter uh yeah because they definitely spice it up a lot with three and three being the finale of the series uh they almost have to right yeah 
Oh, what's no three? So three was and three was like the last. Well, no, I guess four. Four came out on on the PS3, Xbox 360, mm-hmm. um, and it was also a PS4 launch title. Yeah. No, I don't think it was. Really? I think oh no, four four yes four was a a launch title. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I played it so long after it came out that I I can't remember, but I did play it on the PS4. Yeah. Derek, were the most recent three not cookie cutter? I haven't played Valhalla yet, but, I, but the way you guys have been talking about it, it seems like, you know, uh, not Origin, uh, Odyssey is not much farther away from Valhalla. It, it's like a weird... It's like they... Th- there are things that are... are like the, the similarities are inconsistent throughout the three. Like each okay. game has something it does well, but for some reason it doesn't take that thing. Like the subsequent entries don't take the thing they did well in the last game to the next game. Instead, they change yep. it to make it bad, but then do their own thing well. It's very, very weird. <laughs> uh, the, the the most cookie cutter aspect is, I think, the worlds kind of that they're open world settings i guess very similar and, yeah uh, and how they like split everything up into zone like but the way like they do try they, they at least try to change the rpg aspects of the games every to like make it better and they just for some yeah for some reason they just keep changing things that were like wait wait, wait that was that was the good thing like that was the thing that worked why did you take that out and instead do this weird thing so, yeah, I would I would say uh, they they can be when you compare them. I, I guess to the Ezio trilogy and this trilogy, they do make similar faults in that like things do get a little too cookie cookie cuttery, you know, too too corporate at times. Uh, I guess I was thinking mainly of just the differences between like the Ezio trilogy and three, and then the differences between three and four and then yeah, four like and unity. Four was definitely a uh, pun intended cr- far cry from, you know, the first five in the series. Right. Um, you know, cause, cause like everyone says, you know, that game is a pirate game and you know, Assassin's Creed is just the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's definitely like at this point, I, especially with kind of the end of Ezio, I'm so looking forward to like where they go from here. Because uh, it's like, I want to see how they would change it up, but at the same time, I know that they that they really only do sometimes. Like, it's kind of after Black Flag, I think, that they kind of end up falling into uh, into the samey nature. It, it just, it's an, it's one of those things where it, I feel like it, it's because they also don't we they just we just don't spend enough time with the characters as much as we spent with Ezio. Yeah. Um to to like really like that's the reason he is the loved one is because we spent three games, you know, living Ezio's life with it. You know, you technically play him from birth. Technically, yes. You <laughs> press the foot button to kick. And and no no character you play as will have a journey in their game as equivalent uh, to his his journey over over three games. Yeah. Um, I unless mean, unless they choose to do it again, which right. you and, know they in all they by should. all means could yeah and should. Um. Yeah, like I know I know people like Arno, um, 
if you can finish the game, you know, people generally say like Arno was a cool uh, character. Um, Connor goes either way. People either really like Connor or really hate Connor. Yeah. Uh, I I really like uh, Edward. I think he's a cool, really cool uh, character, and I think he he has a pretty good journey throughout his th- through through his game. Um, and then the the modern. Uh, I don't. The, oh, people like the the twins from from Syn- Syndicate. Yeah, I've um, heard people like Evie and people hate Jacob. Yeah, it, right. Uh, uh and yeah. then the, the modern a- Avor was a interesting character, but the story I felt was more about kind of the people around you mm. instead of Avor, and uh. <clears throat> Cassandra and oh god, what's the what's the guy's name? In uh, Odyssey, oh god, I I they say Cassandra is supposed Cassandra's supposed to be the main the main character, so I'll go with Cassandra is a an interesting character, but like does it just yeah just you don't get enough time, and then um oh god the Bayek 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 yeah Bayek I like I like Bayek a lot uh. But I, my ex, one of those characters, like they could have made a trilogy. I feel like with Bayek, and yeah. not well, not just with Bayek, but with Bayek and his and his wife. Uh, like you could have had a pretty because it, it, like I guess the DLC might kind of like scratch that itch because I, I never played the DLC for Origins, but I know it goes like deeper into their journey into into the assassins and stuff like that, being the origins of everything. But oh. I didn't take my time to to play that. Um, very much, but the, 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 him and his wife is—I think she's. She, you play as her very minimally, but she's all she. She's also, I would consider a a main character, and she's pretty cool. Okay. So yeah, th- that, I think this is the problem: is they keep making really cool characters, but they don't. We don't get to spend enough time with them. Yeah. We just spend one game, as opposed to Ezio, who we got to see over three games. And the and... problem with that is that. If they choose to f- dial in on one character, then unless they like, like really narratively explain like why it's happening, they would really they would have to like stick with the same like locale, and that's you know goes directly against kind of the re- the direction they've been going yeah. with the franchise. It's like okay, well, what setting, what area, what time period are we gonna hit next? And so it's like if you chose like say Bayek right. as your as your protagonist for a trilogy, then you'd have to stick with Egypt, right? Unless he like ex- like he's ex- explore surrounding areas, like we saw Ezio go to Constantinople. Um, that's the thing is with Bayek, there was so much room with uh, uh, ancient Rome because uh, the like uh, the whole game surrounds around uh, Cleopatra and and Julius Caesar and their relationship, and so there there was room to like uh, expand there, like. Mm. Uh, and you see, that might even might even have been really cool because if you go back to an earlier version of Rome, a city that you play so heavily through in Brotherhood, mm-hmm. uh, like that would have been really cool fan service and like seeing how it's different between the two games. But, uh, see, I can also see why they wouldn't, because it's like you know what we've already done Rome, like mm. we don't need to do a whole game in ancient Rome. Like people have already done Rome. They, they probably like the fans would probably be like, oh, we've already done Rome. Why are we going back to Rome again? And it's like, well, like. You can't it's have ancient both, Rome, you know. Yeah, it's ancient Rome. <laughs> and as long as they make, you know, like the story and gameplay and everything different enough, you know, I think that would have been really cool. Right. Actually, it's like Brotherhood's often brought up as like one of, if not the best, in the series. So, 
Like, I think, right. like, making, you know, just a fan service game where it's like, okay, we're back to Rome, but this time it's the new updated game. That would have been actually really cool. And also take I, some uh, historical liberties, too, and just, you know, go totally off the map if they really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it's like, at the end of the day, it's a video game, you know? Right. Like, you expect <laughs> me to believe that people in fucking Italy were, you know, there's a fucking chamber under the under the Vatican, and with fucking ancient... People who yeah, are talking through like through a guy with a you know artifact to three thousand years in the future. Yeah, it's all it's all nuts. Like do whatever you want, Ubisoft. Just yeah. make your games good. And I guess I, think... I guess that is a good spot to mention that this game is glitchy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I know I uh, brought it up on the main show, uh, and I've see- I've shown you guys, but like thirty minutes into this game, I had to stop because the glitches made it me physically unable to play it because they're like very early on, there's a car racing section and you have to like damage the other guy's car. But the, like it just like your controls go awry and then you like fly off into the sky and then die. And so All right, I have to channel my inner Jeff here, but aren't you playing like the Xbox version on your PC? I don't know. I'm playing on PC. It's whatever version is on steam. Which then gives oh, you an uh, okay. it gives you a code to open it in your Ubisoft launcher, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I had no I had no issues with glitches. I don't remember ever having issues with glitches in this in this in any of the games really, except for the first one. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I want to say I don't remember at least playing it on my on the PlayStation. It being very glitchy. It could be just one of those weird things. Like it's a just a glitchy pc port like i feel like yeah i literally uh, had to go i had to go in and change a file in order to to replicate it or rectify it rather yeah yeah that's i feel like that's usually like like you've got to go in and like edit a file manually and then the game works fine and it's like how come they just couldn't have done that i don't know like exactly it's weird seems weird that at that time it didn't come out it doesn't really come out for pc or well i mean pc wasn't uh as prominent in the gaming ecosystem as it is today. Yeah. But but now, you know, things are being developed for PC, like Cyberpunk, Although, and we all saw for, how that went. It didn't come out for Windows, so. Yeah. It was a PC version. So, Steve, you did, uh, you know, kind of in preparation for this uh, play through uh, at least a little bit of Revelations. How, uh, oh. how, d- how did you feel about playing it now compared to playing it when you when it came out? Perfectly honest, I don't remember playing it when I first came out. I remember I finished it. I know I did not get the 30 Animus Fragments to do all the Desmond stuff in the Animus. Yeah. But I I, I just finished playing uh, Assassin's Creed 2, and I'm like, I jump in, and I'm like, they changed all the buttons on me. <laughs> and I don't know if this happened in uh, Brotherhood or if it happened here, but I believe they trans- they keep these buttons throughout the rest of the season uh, rest of the series so when you say so what what buttons did they change because i have the pc version so i don't i didn't experience right. my buttons have always buttons. been fucked up <laughs> like eagle vision used to be the left the, the right stick for me or the left mm. stick for me okay. and then they changed it to the y or would that be the, yeah the to triangle or y or whatever yep yeah okay but i do remember that they used that in assassin's creed 3 and i believe they used it in uh odyssey as well Right. Yeah, or, it's it's that is weird that they kind of didn't really get na- get to nail down like one consistent control scheme for this game 
or for these games, you know, they should have just picked something, I think. Because the same thing did kind of happen to me, where even with, you know, me being on PC and my controllers, you know, kind of swapping around and every single game, I've switched up my controls a little bit. Uh, But this was the first game I played, Revelations, uh, where Eagle Vision was on the stick. Every other game, it's been on Triangle or one of the bumpers, I think. Hmm. Um, so that's, I, that is pretty weird. I, I know that I do remember the, the controls changing from game to game. Cause that it was like, they were trying to refine, they were trying to make it a more fluid experience. And, um, so yeah, I, I want to say like they, they would do stuff like that. We're like, Oh, Eagle vision's triangle now, because like you want to be able to hit it kind of easier or, or, or something I, like, or they move something to the right stick to because that was like an easier yeah i don't know uh, yeah it, they, they do something funky and was it unity they move free running to like r2 and i like it, it makes the game so weird to play after playing all of them because like mm. every all the knowledge like going up and down free running and all that you're like yeah you hold x, x. And now I- it's like no, you have to hold R two and then press L three. See, to like I think that's just a change. That. I think that's just a change that they should have made way earlier in the franchise, because the one major complaint I have about the Assassin's Creed control scheme is that kind of similar to Dark Souls, uh, you can't move your camera while you're sprinting. Yeah, but in at least like in Dark Souls, it's intentional because that game is meant to be cumbersome. You know, it's supposed to challenge you in that regard. But Assassin's Creed is just like. What the fuck is going on? Why is this happening? Yeah, right, right. Why, like, that, and that was, I, I think that was why they moved free running to, to like the R two trigger in in uh, Unity is so because to be, to be more to, like Dark Souls. Or, well, no, to like <laughs> to, to be able to like see your surround, like you know, flick this the the right stick around your camera around while you're still sprinting, so you could see. Oh, oh, there's a window there. I can jump through. You know, it was to make it more, you know. Uh, fluid and and to open up your opportunities for in the past games it was like well I'm sprinting and I can only go straight I guess like I can't see yeah. if there's like I mean you can you can go straight right until you take your button off or take your thumb off of the sprint button to move your camera and then resume it and it's just like it's just yeah. cumbersome yeah uh, I want to say they move sprint to clicking the right stick like other the right stick, or the, you mean left yeah. stick? The left stick. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I was like, uh, yeah. Oh god, that would be torture. Uh, I was like, what kind which, of lefty bullshit are you on? I will agree that like having to click a button with your thumbs to do like an action like sprinting that you want to do continuously is uh is very cumbersome and yeah. annoying. I, I mean, I, enjoy- I think it's only bad when you have to hold it down. Like right, if it was right. just a toggle, then they'd be fine. Yeah, that's yeah, right, right. It needs to be a toggle, not a hold, a hold down. Yeah, uh, as you say. Yeah. Uh, but Steve, how uh, how other than the controls, how how did you like playing it again in uh, 2020? I guess or t- probably parts of 2021. We uh, we had a little bit of extra time. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> you know, I, I it's just as I remember. It's you know, you got the nice zip lines. You you know, I. You get to it's Assassin's Creed, but it's in a new city and you know it's slightly different, uh, slightly moved up in the storyline. And I guess unlike you guys, I like the uh, the mini game of defending your you know, the dens. 
yeah. I thought it was a nice change of pace um, from the from the game as a you know doing all the uh, save the citizens and all that stuff and you know someone who aspires to like uh, real time strategy it's you know mm-hmm. it's easy enough it was I felt like I never failed that I failed those missions it's just you just do it and it's like okay I'm done great I, I think I did one that I wasn't required to do and I was doing fine up until the end when like the big cart comes through and then that one big cart just wrecked my entire defense so after that I was like yeah I'm just not gonna do any more of these but I don't dislike them you know I think I I think on their own they're fun but I think that tying it to such a key like gameplay loop is is a little bit of a detriment Mm mm-hmm I just thought it was a nice change of pace from, you know, running around and assassinating people or, you know, uh, you know, mm. beating people up or saving them. Just so, something nice. You just kind of sat there and, you know. Yeah. Played around. Uh, but. Can I ask how uh, how far you got? Uh, only like three or four hours in. Okay. I, w- I did my first Sophia memory uh, and that and then I, I finished that and now I'm, you know, going to, you know, do all the uh, viewpoints, basically. Yeah, usually with all of these games, I I'll set aside a you know a good hour and just run around and get all the viewpoints I can. Right. Yeah, I just go do the grinding right now to get to play the you know storyline. Yeah, because the game you know like Brotherhood, it kind of opens up the world to you fairly early, which <laughs> I think works in some ways because it's like okay, cool, I can explore this you know giant city and kind of do whatever. But like, the game isn't structured in a way for you to have access to everything just yet because like you'll run around the game for five hours and like do side content and get towers and renovate shops and then you'll play the new story chapter and it'll introduce a new mechanic you know like Mm. you don't get the bombs until you're like halfway through the story and by that point it's like i've already played like 75 percent of the game because of the amount of time i've spent doing side content so like, I mean, like, I already have bombs. I don't know if you missed something. But uh, I mean, I, 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 I think all the bobs. <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing side content before I progressed the story. Yeah, yeah. I, one of the things I do like about this game um, is that all the chests you open give you bomb parts instead of money. Yes. I always felt like money was never worth it, but mm-hmm. it's nice having yeah. the bomb parts because well, like, okay, I yeah. actually use these. And See, I didn't use the bombs. I thought they were good from time to time. You yeah, know, you know. I remember that I had them. <laughs> that's the thing is, like, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is cool, but I will never remember to use these. Uh, and so when I found bomb parts, I was like, okay, uh, I would rather have money. But that's just me, you know. And it's and it's cool to see that, you know, with this system, it does offer a level of variance to gameplay styles. Yeah, and it's also nice that uh, the map on this tells you you know, verticality, not just uh, a yeah. little bit better, a little bit better than the other games, you know, versus uh, just more of a linear style. Yeah, it's definitely a nice attention to detail, which they seem to be getting better at with this game, but we will see. Uh, but I guess we can wrap this up. Uh, I think before we give this game a rating, I want to dial i want to go back and since we have it's you know believe this or fucking not derek it's been since the last one we have updated our uh ranking system 
Oh yeah. Or I oh guess, wow. Yeah, it's yeah. been that long. It's been oh yeah, it's been a while. So uh, I guess personally, I would give Assassin's Creed One two stars, Assassin's Creed Two five stars, and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood four stars. How about you, Derek? Ooh, uh, I've got to I got to think about that. So we're I'm trying to find our. Um... Five I would say is... yeah, one one is a solid two. Yeah. See, I I would probably give um, Assassin's Creed two a four, and then Brotherhood a five. Oh, interesting. Uh, maybe I just, yeah, I think four, Brotherhood is more of a, a complete package than than two. Okay. Like two still has some places it could it could kind of improve but it is still uh like a sol- a very solid game all right okay steve do you have a do you have any hot takes on the rankings of these games well so i think i would give assassin's creed 2 i'm sorry assassin's creed 1 a 4 or a 5 because i think it is so important to gaming that it is a must play i think Granted, that's, that might have been at the i think the that's fair that's yeah. That's a pretty fair take, I would say. Yeah, like that's fair. <laughs> except the my thing with that is that while it was important for gaming at the time, two is just that, but like infinitely better. Yes, but I mean, obviously, you're playing it now, where I played it when it first came out. I remember buying this game on launch day and and ripping it out of the plastic and playing it. You know? <laughs> so like when it you know when it first came out, it was definitely a you know a five or a four. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, I would say Revelations is got to be a, a four because I would give two a five. But as we said, this is kind of cookie cutter. So it's slightly stale while they did do new things. It's still a must play, but it is at the end of the day, not much different than Assassin's Creed 2. So what about Brotherhood? Brotherhood, I'd probably give a four as well. Four. Okay. I'd give a two a five because it was just okay. such a leap from one in mm. so good. <laughs> um and then i guess bringing us to revelations i i have to agree i would give revelations a four i i would also i think agree with that yeah yeah i was really close to giving it a five i thought there was a period of time where i really liked uh like kind of because i'm a sucker for the narrative so i loved <laughs> like the narrative of revelations so i was like i like this better than two but kind of especially like sitting on it after months and talking about it today i, <laughs> I think that this game just has too many problems to be considered you know one of the best but it's definitely like it's still really good i think in in hindsight after after even just talking about it uh i think you know at the beginning of the this chat you you mentioned that it might be kind of one of the on the lower end of the games but i i don't know i i i think it might actually be on the higher end uh for, at least for for me after talking about it uh yeah i, I will like, say I this... even though i gave both this and brotherhood four stars i like revelations better than brotherhood okay Ooh. yeah that's a hot take for you <laughs> <I> yeah <laughs> you're saying steve oh uh, i was gonna i was gonna say i mean like uh dirk when you're saying the entire series you thought this was a little, like a relative low point for the entire series or just out of the four that andrew has reviewed no, I yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm taking like taking that into the context of like all the games I have played. I like I know mm-hmm. when I've talked about it with Andrew, I've I've mentioned that it, it like for me it was kind of like a lower point 
uh, in the series. I mean, I, I also skipped uh, two entries, but <clears throat> like in hindsight, now thinking about it, talking about it, it actually like is up there. Uh, yeah. And I definitely look on it a lot more fondly um, than when I think I first played it. But again, there's like, there's so many fat, like one of the big ba- factors I think was the fact that like it came out right at like a year after brotherhood came out and like i'm now thinking about like i wonder if i played three again if i would like look more fondly on three now than i did then because again i played it a year later right after you know like i played it on release i had just played an assassin's creed game there was a period of time where i considered i was i was like I was convinced, like, I'm, I'm going to buy Assassin's Creed 3 on my Wii U, and I'm going to play it, because Ooh. I was, like, I was into it at the time, and I was like, well, this, yeah. is, this is the console I have, and so I went to go purchase it, and the total install space I would have needed for Assassin's Creed 3 was larger than the entire hard disk drive of the Wii U. Yeah. So, that one never ended up happening. But Derek, maybe now is your opportunity to play through three again. You know, you're uh, more than, you're more than you, welcome to play it again now that you're done with Valhalla. I am committed to playing Unity and Syndicate when you play that because I those are the two I have not fully played. Okay. <sighs> Didn't they just come out with like a remastered version of three too? I don't know about just, but the one I have installed on my computer is the remastered version. Is the remastered version? Yeah. I don't know. I I might still have a little bit of fatigue. <laughs> that's, from, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, hey, who's to say how long? Who's to say how long it'll take me to even finish three? You know, because I it took us that this long to get to Revelations. So yeah. At this point, who fucking knows? Ah, three, three grabs you. I think though, and I don't know. It has it has the the beginnings of the ship combat too. Mm. So that kind of like. I remember that was my favorite. Like the minute the first time I did a ship mission, I was like, "Oh my god, I just want to play this all the time." And then and, they made and Assassin's and then, Creed and then 4. Black Flag delivered. <laughs> I don't know how you're gonna feel, Andrew, but I remember after playing Assassin's Creed 3 after Revelations, I was rather disappointed. Well, obviously, I know that people have a lot of problems with the with the narrative and kind of the way that things ended, but they obviously wanted to. Uh, dismiss the desmond story so that they could do their their yearly setting model um mm-hmm. so yeah we'll I see had, I, I didn't have any problem with the story it was more of the uh the game itself i think well, it was a, rather different from the other for the first four or yeah. at least in my opinion yeah i i guess it, it does go back more towards two in the way that that it's not a single open world it's it's several several different locations mm-hmm uh, and then yeah, because they... you have you know Boston, and I know you can let you like because Connor is a Native American, so you can play around in the woods. Um, that's about as far as I know. And like you said, there's ship combat. Ship combat is actually where I stopped playing this game. I because mm-hmm. I just could not finish it. I was I disliked it so much. Um, oh wow, interesting. Maybe you would not yeah. like Black Flag then. Um, I think it was more of how different it was to me. Versus Assassin's Creed Revelations, you know. Fair enough. To me, that to me, I like the verticality of all these games, and in Assassin's Creed Three, you just don't have it. Right. That's that is true. It, it does uh, there are the, trees. Yeah, like a lot of it. It becomes more of this, like, oh, you have your city, and then you have like the wilderness, where you know, like, you can climb trees. Yeah, and parkour through the trees, and <laughs> and climb up the side of mountain or cliffs. Trees. And stuff. 
yeah, but I loved <laughs> I loved Odyssey. You know, I I got I played like forty hours worth of Odyssey, and I loved that game. But for whatever reason, I did. I remember not liking Assassin's Creed Three. So well, maybe I need to go back to it and play with you, Andrew. And yeah, yeah like better maybe time. you know a year from now, uh, we can do another episode and uh, talk about <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely really stoked, you know, to do it. Like every time I thought about, every time we had discussed recording this episode, and every time I got pushed back, I was like, ah, as soon as we record this episode, I can start playing three. So I'm I'm pretty excited for it. You know, it's gonna especially right now. Uh, I'm not really playing any big games. I think I've uh put dark souls 2 on hold for now yeah um so and a, lot, a lot of games got like delayed out of february march into yeah April, it's like so the, we've got the a little ne- bit of a the next like quote-unquote big game is is resident evil and that doesn't come out until may so i got a solid three months to kind of do whatever you know now i got the zelda series with adam so i've been playing skyward yeah. sword too um yeah kodor i do oh yeah that's right <laughs> oh yeah shit <laughs> that's the that's the game i was gonna play yeah maybe after kotor then or, or alongside, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Um, so yeah, do either of you have any uh, any closing thoughts on uh, on Revelations? No, I th- I think about it. Set up for me. I think uh, yeah, I look on this game a little a little more fondly now than I Very did nice. in the past. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good uh, that's a nice thing to hear after after doing this because uh, it's a because this is this is this is a fun journey for me and I, I think. Uh, hearing that makes me glad that it might be an equally as fun journey for you and i think uh i think ubisoft's biggest takeaway from this conversation if uh when they listen is that we need another trilogy with one protagonist yeah or go back to rome you cowards yeah or go back to rome (laughs) (laughs) reboot the whole series (laughs) i would love to them for them to do altair's story again in a modern like uh with modern design right yeah that would, that would actually be pretty cool yeah right i mean there's years with ltr that we just don't know about right? it's true I mean... or, like revisit a character from the past like uh I, like what happened to con you know like revisit connor or mm. revisit arno arno or like that would be kind of cool and see how their story kind of ties into maybe that's i think oh, another thing is that Altair's and Ezio's stories tie in so well, and none of the other assassins' stories like tie into each other. Yeah, it's because it was just the cookie cutter yeah. model. But right, right. Shit, it's yeah. fiction. Hit all of them at once. <laughs> right. I mean. Yeah. Oh my god. Back, Do one go where you. And... It's like the Pokemon game where you go to <laughs> to every region, but instead it's uh. <laughs> you play every assassin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, I got to go here and find this part of the apple, or, you know, I mean, you've got this whole side story of the Desmond life that we were talking about. There's no reason you can't, you know, transcend errors and locations to, you know, find out new stuff. Yeah, the possibilities are are definitely endless. Maybe we should pitch this to Ubisoft. (laughs) (laughs) and Just say, hey, guys, listen to us. We have the ideas. I mean, who knows where they go after Valhalla, right? Like uh, I, don't, I don't know I anything about the story quite yet, but I think I know where they're going. But okay, uh, <laughs> we will we'll have to see when I get there in 17 years. <laughs> when Assassin's Creed, you know, like the, the 17 years from now, so what, they would release like nine more games based on their current model. Uh, They'll have to have rebooted it by then. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> One, only, only time will tell. Uh, but I think that that just about does it uh, 
for this bonus episode. Like I said, I will try to get three uh, played and done whenever. Uh, and then at that point, it just becomes a matter of nailing down a data record, which seemed to be more of a hassle this time. Uh, but... If you want to listen to <laughs> the main podcast yeah. in which to be we... fair, like lining up three of us was is a little difficult, but oh yeah, that's that is true, and and unfortunately, uh, the rest of the games aren't Steve's favorite Assassin's Creed games, so we probably won't be joining us for those. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but if you want to check out the main podcast where we do upload every week, you can check us out at uh, Game Sharks Podcast on all of your podcast streaming services or on our website thegamesharks.com you can also check out our twitter and instagram where we will post fun pictures and links to reviews and such uh it is game sharks podcast on instagram and game sharks cast on twitter uh my cyber shadow review just went up uh, this past week so definitely check it out it is uh I, I like the way I'm pretty good at writing. I, I'm better at writing than I am at speaking so <laughs> my I, I can more eloquently uh, assess my thoughts in written form um, and Jeff's uh, review of the medium should be coming out at some point he's on vacation yeah. right now so um, don't expect it anytime soon let the man rest <laughs> and my review of Hitman 3 should come out before uh, Hitman Andrew 4. plays Assassin's Creed Valhalla so hopefully <laughs> alright well if that's all we got then with that we are Finn.